The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's up, family? It's Brother from Another. You can find us on Peacock TV, Sirius XM, Channel 85, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out, uh, social media, Holly and Smith. We're out there, Instagram, Twitter, uh, whatever you need. Now, uh, those of you who know the show, and those of you who don't know the show, welcome. Uh, you've, you've made the right decision. Uh, on a Tuesday afternoon. But for those of you who know the show, know that I, Michael Holly, have known Michael Smith for a long time. Let me see. Let me get. I, I got to remember all this stuff since Michael's memory. Michael Smith has such a bad memory. I got to keep up with the oral tradition of the Holly Smith relationship. So I've known him for 23 years. And it used to be, it used to be when we worked at the same paper, the Boston Globe, an editor used to call us Pete and repeat. Now that's very disrespectful. And, and um, I don't talk to that editor to this day. And maybe that, that might have something to do with it. Anyway, he used to call us Pete and repeat because we usually knew where the other person was. They would call one, say, have you seen Holly? Have you seen Smith? And they usually get a good answer. That's a long way of saying, I don't know where he is today. He might be in the Caribbean, Connecticut. I don't know, but it's you, it's, it's me, it's some of our guests, family. We're going to have a conversation today. We're going to have a good time on brother from another on a Tuesday. Now, you know, what's interesting to me. I, I, I think this is a time to talk about home. It's very rare that here on, on a national platform that national stories, several national stories align and they all are connected to where you grew up. So I happen to have grown up in the great state of Ohio in Northeast Ohio, a town called City, excuse me, City called Akron, about 30 miles from Cleveland. Just to give you context, how deep I was in my Cleveland fandom before I decided to become a very serious journalist. Okay, I'm joking. But before I decided to uh, get into journalism, I was a serious Cleveland fan. So here, here's one example. Michael Jordan, you, you know about Michael Jordan and the shot. The shot ooh, over Craig Elo. Craig Elo and I think it was Larry Nance coming in late. And uh, Michael Jordan just made the shot and started to build his legacy. But I was in I was on register one that day. I was working at a grocery store in Akron. Register one. My manager, instead of managing, was watching the game. Now I'm doing work. I got the register phone up to my ear, and he's giving me play by play as I'm scanning. 
uh, these groceries. I was good at it too. Boop, boop. Scanning, scanning, got your lettuce. Okay, got your tomatoes. Boom, boom. Oh, you got anything? Got, got potatoes down there? Uh, I got, okay, I got that. I got that. I'm punching it in. I'm scanning. And he says, Jordan over Elo. Game over. Somebody got free groceries that day. That's all I'm saying. I was like, okay, what? Whatever. Bam. Keep going. Keep going. See, that was the legacy of, of all the Cleveland teams at that time. This is 1989. I think Michael Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan was an underdog in that series. Jordan was an underdog in that series. LeBron James was four years old when that happened in 1989. Not even five yet. So the legacy of Cleveland teams at that time, Cavaliers had never been to the NBA Finals. Browns had never been to a Super Bowl. Oh, how things have changed. No, they haven't. Uh, the, the Indians hadn't been to the World Series since 1948, I believe. And so that was kind of typical for a Cleveland sports fan to go through that type of heartbreak. So you had the shot and a couple years before that you had the fumble and a couple years before that you had the drive. I mean, it's just all kinds of crazy things happen. What, what am I getting at? I'm getting at no one could have imagined then Michael Jordan, an underdog in the series. Imagine that. Uh, they were, they were, the Cavs were favored in that series and, and Jordan and the underdog Bulls coached by Doug Collins came back to win that series. Jordan, an underdog and a kid who doesn't even remember the pain and the details of that shot. No one could have imagined that one day we would hear sound like this. Check this out. Just to be um, a part of this league for as many years I've been a part of it and uh, to be linked with some of the greatest that ever played this game, guys that I've either watched or studied or, or read about uh, or inspired to be like, um, it is, uh, honestly, I always just lost words for it. And, um, you know, it's a, it's an honor for myself, um, and for my hometown and for my family, my friends to be able, um, to, to live these moments, um, throughout this journey. And, um, you know, that's why exactly what I do it for. I do it for, you know, my family, my friends, my hometown, um, anybody that's been a part of this journey throughout this, uh, this run so far. I'm literally having the time of my life right now. The game is such a beautiful thing. And as long as I'm healthy enough to put on a uniform, I'm going to play with a lot of passion, a lot of energy, give my, my teammates what they deserve, uh, what they need. And hopefully, like I said, through the rest of the season, I could just stay somewhat injury-free. Obviously, I'm dealing with a few injuries right now, um, but I'm working through it, and we're working through it. And that's all that matters. You know, we can leave everything out on the floor, control what you can control, and what you can't, you don't worry about. So... See, when you do a show by yourself, you do a show by yourself, you're, you're essentially arguing with yourself. I'm telling you, I'm just going to start an argument, my argument with myself here. Um, because this story, and I'm so glad, I'm so glad that uh, right before us, Rich Eisen was on. So early in uh, Eisen's show, shout out Rich Eisen, and shame on you, Rich Eisen. I'll get to my point in a second, but I just want to say shame on you, Rich Eisen, for for taking some joy in the University of Michigan's hockey team being number one in the country. Shame on you, how pathetic are you, Rich Eisen? Talking about the hockey team for Michigan, he's just sitting here gloating because Michigan's in the Sweet, sweet, uh, sweet 16 
and they beat Ohio State once in a generation. And so now he's feeling himself and he's now he's bragging about the hockey team. But anyway, love Eisen. Uh, but on Rich Eisen's, uh, Eisen's show, Chris Weber was a guest. And I was happy to hear Weber say that LeBron's story of passing Carl Malone and becoming the number two score in NBA history is underrated. Yes, it is. It's, he said this is an underrated story, even though we've talked about it. Why is it an underrated story? Because you just got to understand this connection, this connection between Akron and LeBron James and what he went through growing up to get to this position where you really have to think long and hard about the missteps that LeBron James has made as a professional. You know, you all know that he started a school uh, in Akron called the I Promise School. So it's a legitimate school in the city of Akron. It is part of the Akron Public Schools. And he started this school, and, and, and part of the beauty of that is that he, was a, he himself was an at-risk student as a third and fourth grader. At one point, he missed 84 days of school. Now think about that, you educators out there, my teachers, where are my teachers? That means out of a 180-day school year, he missed 84 out of 180 days. And so that student winds up starting a school. I'm gonna shout myself happy now. Come on now, think, just think about that. That alone, that alone makes this incredible. But, but if, you know, if you know the area in which he grew up, some of the obstacles that he had to uh, go through, some of the obstacles that he faced, it's really uh, uh, miraculous that he's in this position today. And I remember talking with people about this and uh, those who don't really, just really uh, think about it deeply saying, well, of course, it's LeBron James. He's 6'8", he's a great athlete. Uh, of course he was gonna make it. I don't know about you all, uh, your hometown, where you grew up, but there are a lot of people who had all the talent, who had great athletic ability. They may have been the, the, the best athlete at your school, or on your AAU team, uh, in your area, and something, one thing or another, got them off their path. Maybe it was an injury, uh, maybe it was bad luck, whatever it is, they didn't make it. Uh, this guy did. Just being able, to, being able to track along with him, to know the streets that he walked and uh, the neighborhoods that he lived in, five minutes away from the neighborhood that I lived in, to see him at this point right now is a really inspirational story, not for people from, not just for people from Northeast Ohio, but people who are, who are looking at tough circumstances and trying to figure out a way to transcend those circumstances. And he certainly has. On top of that, uh, let's talk about the, the journey that he had to becoming this is where I'm arguing with myself. I see you, Chris Herring, but now you can't answer because I should have gotten into, into this with Herring yesterday, but we didn't have time. I'm going to say becoming the number one player in basketball history. Yes, I said it. Number one player in basketball history. Herring said, well, it's still Jordan. We'll get to that in a second. Think about LeBron coming out of high school. So in high school, he doesn't have his high school games at a gym, just the high school gym like anybody else. He got a, his high school games, they were so well attended 
that the home games were at the University of Akron. They had personal seat licenses for LeBron James when he was in high school. He had attention on him around the clock from the time he was 13 or 14 years old until now. He had a $90 million shoe contract before he came into the league. He had a target on him before he played his first game as an NBA player. And so the expectations, some players would just wilt under the expectations. And I dare say that LeBron James exceeded the expectations that people had for him coming out of high school. A number one overall pick drafted by his hometown team, $90 million contract from Nike, Sports Illustrated cover boy, all these things. On the source, I think it was on Slam Magazine, The Source, all kinds of stuff. No, Slam. I don't think it was on The Source, but Slam Magazine, all this stuff. All the attention, and he exceeded those expectations. Leaves Cleveland, the decision, all of that. Wins a, wins a couple of championships in Miami, then goes back to his hometown to win a championship. Leaves his hometown, goes to L.A., wins another championship, and now, just last night, on a bad Lakers team. Now, let's not dismiss that. They're a bad team. And that might be his fault too. Um, but last night, throwing up a triple double, throwing up a triple double at the age of 37. So this is why I say he is the best player in NBA history. And 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 this is where you know we'll have Chris Herring back on. He'll have his say. I let him um, talk yesterday. So now it's my turn. Now it's my turn. I got the mic now. Um, this is why I say he's the best because if you are, if you're able to, and I, I, I'm consistent on this, I talk about great players. If you're consistently elite 15, 16, 17 years in a row, 18 years in a row, if you're consistently elite, okay, that's part of the, that's part of the calculus. No, it's not just longevity hanging around and compiling stats. I mean, there are a lot of baseball players like that, right? You know, guys have gotten to their late 30s and they, they've got all, they got these hits. They got all these hits or they got all these home runs. But later in their career, they went from 200, 200 hit guys to about, you know, 75 to 85 hits. They're just piling on the numbers to build, to build their stats. That's not what's happening with LeBron James. LeBron James is still giving you elite production at 37, the same elite production at 37 that he did at 27. Nobody in NBA history has done it like this. And I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is awesome. I think he should be a part of these greatest ever conversations more often. It's usually LeBron versus Jordan, but Kareem, it should be a three-man weave. But Kareem, at the end of his career, was not an elite center anymore. He was a productive player but he wasn't elite. And so Jordan, those last two years with the Wizards, he was good. Numbers say he was good. He was, he was still giving you 20 points a game. But Michael Jordan wasn't a top five player when he retired. LeBron James still is a top five player in the NBA. All right, I, 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 let, me, let me move on. But that's, that's part of my argument. You want to argue back? Uh, send it on, send it on to our guy, Brandon Newman. Our, our social media guru and the comment section. We'll get to that and we will actually have a comment section. We have a comment section today. I got some other 
some other Cleveland stories that are also national stories. And um, we'll take a little bit of a break. But as I take this break, I want you to think about your first job. I don't want you, I don't want you white collar people in here. I'm talking about grocery store. They used to keep stats on this thing too. And there's a grocery store. So how many, it was item scan per minute. I think my number was like 20. They used to have stats, it really did. And so the leader was like at 37 to 38, and I was at 23. But I was an emerging talent. I remember that shot. I remember the description. Look at Craig Elo. Look at Jordan. Oh, look at that guy right there in the tie. To the right of Jordan. Poor guy. Oh, my goodness. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. All right, back on Brother from Another. Uh, this is a story that is not going anywhere, nor should it. Deshaun Watson, uh, first player in NBA, uh, excuse me, NFL history, to have a fully guaranteed $200 million plus contract. Uh, that's what the Cleveland Browns did. That was part of the price the Browns paid to get Deshaun Watson away from Houston. Uh, in two Cleveland. So there are multiple first round picks. There are multiple draft picks. There's that $230 million contract. And now there's a waiting game. There's a waiting game from the NFL. What happens now with, with Deshaun Watson? What, what will the NFL do? Will there be a suspension? There most certainly will be a suspension in my opinion. There'll be a suspension. How long would that suspension be? Uh, what is to come of the 22 open 
civil cases accusing Deshaun Watson of either uh, sexual misconduct or sexual assault. What's going to happen with those? Uh, does he settle any of these cases? Does he admit any wrongdoing? Does he fight each of them? What happens there? And then there's the, the big question that has nothing to do with the legal system at all. It really has to do uh, with your conscience. And we're, we're not just talking about Cleveland. We're talking about football fans nationally because maybe it's not your team right now, but chances are the way the NFL operates, and let's be honest, the way the NFL operates, chances are your team, your fandom will be challenged with one of these situations. Everybody has had something like this with their, with their team. Like it's easy. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, from Cleveland uh, over the weekend and I said to him, look, it's easy when you look at another team and they've got a guy and you can villainize him. Okay, look at that. Oh, oh, we would never do it. We would never do it. Oh, look at that. You, know, you sold your soul. Uh, all, winning at all cost. It doesn't matter. It's just the bottom line. And you don't have a player like that or if you don't know that you have a player like that. It's easy to, to sit there and wag your finger and say, oh, we'd never do it. But then when it comes to your when it comes to your area code, when it comes to your zip code, when it comes to your laundry, how do you handle it? And so that's what Cleveland is going through right now. And and we'll get into that. But before we get into that, I just want to want to hear what Nick Casario had to say. Let's play some sound from Houston general manager Nick Casario, who had this on his watch as a first year GM last year. First year GM Casario walks into the job, has a huge contract. So that's the good news. Highest paid GM in football and he had never done the job before on his own. That's the good news. The bad news is you come in and you've got to deal with the Deshaun Watson situation. He dealt with it. He's moving on from it. It's now Cleveland's problem. But here's Nick Casario talking about Deshaun Watson. I think the, the biggest thing probably um, yesterday provides everybody is clarity just in terms of direction. Um, I think Deshaun has clarity in his end relative to what his future holds from a football standpoint. I think there's some things, you know, still on a legal front that probably, you know, I don't want to really get into that, but, you know, have to take place. But just clarity for him individually. I think clarity for our organization um, in terms of what the expectation is moving forward. So clarity, clarity for, for their organization and what the expectation is moving forward. Now, I don't, I don't really I don't want to read between the lines on what he's saying there, but is he trying to say that there's a certain kind of player that the Houston Texans um, will employ going forward? Is he is that uh, a Deshaun Watson shot uh, it, that once they found out about these things? Whether, whether Deshaun Watson asked to be traded or not, once they found out about these things, was Deshaun Watson going to be traded? But that's neither here nor there. Really, I want to focus on Cleveland and the divide that exists with, with Brown's football fans. I was really intrigued to hear Charles Robinson say yesterday, you know, his wife uh, grew up in Cleveland and how there's this, this conflict with Brown's fans where his wife is not just doesn't know how to feel about this and how 
his 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 brother, his brother-in-law, or brothers-in-law, are all on board. Hey, yay, Browns, let's go for it. Let's go. Hey, now we got a player. Now we got a chance to, to win a championship. And I'd like to say, I'd like to say that it's the desperation that puts Cleveland in this position, but I'm not sure that's it. Look, I, we know the, the Browns are desperate. I joked about it off the top that, oh, how things have changed. Uh, they hadn't been to the Super Bowl uh, at the time of the shot in 1989, and they still have never appeared in the Super Bowl. One of the few franchises that has never been to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Carolina Panthers expansion team, been to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Jacksonville uh, Jaguars haven't been to the Super Bowl, but, you know, but they, they teams that just kind of sprung up were able to get to the Super Bowl and the Browns have been on the doorstep several times and, and not been able to do it. So I think that desperation speaks to it and having a lot of quarterbacks over the years, that speaks to it as well. But here's the truth of the truth of it is there were teams that don't have the Brown story, that don't have their narrative, that were also in the conversation, in the mix for Deshaun Watson. So it wasn't just, hell, of course Cleveland would do it. On one hand, if you want to, if you want to feel good about yourself as a Browns fan who likes this trade, you say, well, uh, other people were doing it too. If it hadn't been us, it would have been someone else. Sure, you can say that, but that's also a confession that you're not original, that you, you have no distinction, that you don't, uh, you're not on a different moral high ground than anyone else. And for some Browns fans, they say, so what? I didn't get into this rooting game to be on the moral high ground. I don't care. Or maybe you do care and you get into the, you start playing this game innocent until proven guilty and he hasn't been proven guilty, proven guilty of anything and that there's not going to be a, a, a criminal charge against Deshaun Watson. You, you can go down that list over and over, but I think for me, and Michael said yesterday, Michael Smith said yesterday that what really angers a lot of people is the money, is the new contract for Deshaun Watson. And I can understand that. That's not what does it for me. What really bothers me more than anything, and this is, as I said, it's not just a Cleveland story. This is an NFL story. What bothers me is the NFL's unwillingness I'm not, I'm not going to say inability. The NFL's unwillingness to handle cases where, where players are accused of abusing women. Like the NFL refuses, I'll say it that way, the NFL refuses to get that right. There, there, are, many, there are many places the league as a whole can go to get advice on this. Seek wise counsel. So you, you, can, you can talk to people and say, no, no, this is how you handle cases that really at their root uh, have, the, uh, have the pillars of misogyny and sexism at their root. That's what it is. There are many smart people out there who could advise the commissioner and everyone else, every, every owner and every ownership group. If you ever wonder, okay, what should we be doing? How do we send a strong message? How do we get this right? How do we discourage it? The league could do it, but the league doesn't. The league hasn't gotten it right. We talked a lot about uh, Ray Rice. In that situation, league didn't get that right. And there have been many cases 
since. The league just can't get it right. So I think that's what, what angers me. That, that's part one. That when it comes to this, the players usually don't pay a great consequence when it comes to the NFL. That's one. And then two, whenever general managers and, and ownership groups get even, the light doesn't even have to be green fully. Whenever NFL and ownership groups get even, like the hint, the light is flickering from caution, from yellow to green, they go, they go. They, they, this all out pursuit of superstar talent at the expense of everything else, at the expense of everything else. I've told this story before, old school now, old school. Look, look, hey, I'm not gonna apologize for being a student of history. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you an old school, old school example to make the case today. Now, this is old, okay, I wasn't alive for this. <laughs> okay, I wasn't alive for this. But, uh, but this story has always, this anecdote has always jumped out at me because there was some truth there from a president who wasn't always concerned with telling the truth. And that's Richard Nixon. Back in the day, Richard Nixon, you know, he was obsessed with recording things. He, record, he had recording devices all over uh, the Oval Office. And, and Richard Nixon, uh, he had a thing, if you can imagine, he was a Republican, had a thing for the Kennedys from Massachusetts. So he always wanted, uh, he was telling his advisors, man, can't we, can't we get somebody in the Boston Globe to write something negative about the Kennedys? Uh, I want to make them look bad. And eventually, he confided to people close to him. He said, you know what the average person, you know what the average person is concerned about? If they got money in their pocket and they can afford to get a beer and a hot dog. His point is, hey, listen, controversy, controversy will only last for a little bit and then people will move on. And I think that's disappointment. Am I disappointed in that? Yes. Do I accept it? No. I don't accept it. I won't accept it in my personal life, but, but I think that's what we're dealing with. And so, I'd love to be pleasantly surprised that, that this outrage that we hear right now, that we hear it and we see it in Cleveland, I'd, I'd love to be pleasantly surprised, and Cleveland is the exception, that until there's some resolution with Deshaun Watson, Cleveland fans, uh, the majority of Cleveland fans, I know this is not the case, but I'd love to see it where the majority of Cleveland fans say, no, we will not rest until we're sure that our quarterback uh, is innocent of all the things that have been thrown at him. He's innocent of all of these charges. I, I, I'd love to see that. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's going to happen. And, and that's generally how it goes uh, in professional sports. And I think that's the thing that, I mean, that's the thing that bothers me the most. All right, call me naive. Okay, move on, grow up. Uh, this is this is how it is. Uh, you know, Cleveland's not the first. The Browns aren't the first organization to do something like this. They're not the first organization to make these types of decisions. But I, I think that's what bothers me the most. We'll see what happens uh, with Deshaun Watson and we'll see how the Browns choose to handle this publicly. When they are forced to answer questions outside of a statement. I mean, you can say all sorts of things in the statement and you can go over it and you have your PR people look over and your legal people look over it and make sure that uh, no participles dangle and, and, and everything is airtight. But we'll really get to it when, when they interact with uh, members of the media who I believe will ask 
of the questions that are on the hearts of, of many Clevelanders. Look, I, I know it's tough. When your team isn't winning, sometimes you're willing to do anything to win. But is there a, is there a point where you say, I'm not willing to do that? And the last thing I'll say before we take a break and talk about the other Cleveland quarterback. He's still, he's still a Cleveland quarterback. Technically, he's still a quarterback. Uh, they got three of them. The Browns do right now. They got Deshaun Watson. They got Jacoby Brissett. And the other guy that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But before we get there, I just want to say I am encouraged by this. Uh, the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center has seen a spike in donations from fans who are angry who are angry about what's happening right now with the Browns. They're angry about Deshaun Watson being a member of the Browns. And not only that, I think it's just a combination of being angry about Watson being on their team and what their team was willing to do to get Watson to acquire him. Because Watson wasn't feeling Cleveland. Now he better not say, and they better not say, oh, you know, I've always, I've always loved this organization, you know, I studied Paul Brown and yeah, you know, uh, you know, I'm a Bernie Kosar fan. I remember the days when, you know, Bill Belichick was there and yeah, you know, they, uh, they got to the playoffs and they beat the Patriots back then. No, 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 no. I've always, I, I love the, the good people of the Midwest. No, no. Yeah, but Deshaun Watson was not feeling Cleveland until Cleveland said, here, here, take our franchise. Take the franchise. $230 million. You got it fully guaranteed. That's when he was feeling. That's when he started to feel Cleveland. So I'm encouraged by these uh, by these fans who have donated. And you know what? Wow. You know what I'm also encouraged by? My friends. That's right. My friends in Western New York. Now I, I've, I've had some issues with the Buffalo Bills, but I love the charitable spirit of the fan base. Like Buffalo, if there's a good cause, if you got a good cause, no matter where you are, whether you're in Los Angeles, if you're an opponent in Los Angeles, your opponent um, uh, in Houston, if you're an opponent in Chicago, Buffalo, if they see a good cause for you, those Buffalo fans will get on board. Buffalo has also donated to the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center because it's a good cause. So uh, that, is, uh, that is the good news here. We'll, we'll be on top of this story. We will continue to follow it. Uh, there's no easy, there's no easy answer. There's no quick resolution to it. But I think it's, if I can preach for a little bit, I think it's our job to continue to talk about it and not just go on as if it's business as usual because it's certainly not business as usual. We'll talk about that other guy on the other side. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. 
Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome back. Baker Mayfield, still Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield. This is interesting. Has any team ever had so much money tied up in this quarterback situation at one time on the cap? I know we know it's temporary. We know it's temporary. The Browns are going to do something. You're going to trade Baker uh, for uh, a bag of marbles and a couple of footballs. Or release them or something. Something's going to happen. But, you know, Baker Mayfield's not going to be a, a Browns quarterback for long. But right now, they got three quarterbacks on the roster, and one of them uh, has a $230 million contract. But I, I just want to say, before we get to uh, Shil Kapadia from The Athletic, one of the best football writers uh, in the country, we want to check in with him in just a couple of minutes. But I want to make sure that we don't miss uh, Baker Mayfield. Now, this may be, I told you, it's my hometown, right? You know, Akron, Akron, Ohio. Browns, the Guardians now, the Guardians, when I was rooting for them, they were the Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland, Cleveland Guardians, uh, the Cavaliers, know this area, love this area, They're very thankful that I was uh, able to be raised in, in an area like that. Got a lot of love for the Midwest and uh, Akron and Cleveland in particular. So when I say there's a legacy for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, you probably want to laugh. If you're not from there, right? <laughs> like, what, what? Okay, what's his legacy? He's got a legacy, but he does. And so I would have, but before I tell you what it is, I want to advise the Cleveland Browns. This is for free. Y'all pay people for this. You don't pay me for this kind of advice, but I'm going to give it to you for free. Don't mention him again. Don't mention Baker Mayfield. Don't whisper about Baker Mayfield. Don't drop dimes about him. Don't say anything else. Don't say anything else about Baker Mayfield because you've lost the moral high ground that, you, that you're standing on. You can't say he talks too much. You can't say he's immature. You can't say he didn't get it right. Like, stop. And as a matter of fact, not just Baker. Don't say it about any other player. You got nothing to say about Odell Beckham Jr. Nothing. Nothing. Because you just, you gave that all away. Maybe forever. This administration, maybe forever. This ownership, maybe forever. But at least for the next couple of years. 
But uh, Baker Mayfield does have a legacy, and I was very happy uh, to hear Joe Thomas get into it a bit earlier today on the Dan Patrick Show. Here's Joe Thomas. There's a lot of defenders of Baker. There's a lot of fans of Baker for what he did for this franchise. I mean, my last two years in Cleveland, we won one game. The next year we draft Baker Mayfield, and he's been part of this turnaround, including winning a playoff game against their hated rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So certainly uh, there's a lot of love still in Cleveland from a big uh, section of the fan base for Baker. So. I think he wanted to express gratitude, but there was also a little hidden meaning in there. I think he was trying to make sure he could be a little bit passive aggressive with the team, um, trying to make them make a decision so that he could either have them fall back in love with him and really open their arms up and uh, wrap themselves around Baker or kind of start the process of getting him traded to somewhere he wanted to go. And it, it turns out that he wanted to go to the Indianapolis Colts. All right, look, that was uh, uh, Joe Thomas. And uh, as, as we bring in Shiel Kapati, I'll just say this, uh, Shiel. Look, when, history, I, I think, especially uh, Brown's history, I don't think history will remember Baker Mayfield as, as some clown uh, with the Cleveland Browns. Not there. Like, he's a guy, maybe he'll be remembered as the bridge guy because for a long time before Baker, it was a parade of quarterbacks. Um, none of whom was uh, particularly impressive. Um, nobody was able to get him a playoff victory. And Baker Mayfield was a part of a group that got the Browns to the playoffs and uh, with a victory in Pittsburgh over their biggest rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, let's, let's just remember, like, as we, you know, it's easy just to kind of jump on Baker and pile on and, oh, yeah, nobody wants him and he's not that good. But uh, in Cleveland... Uh, he does have a significant part of, of recent Browns history. And, and maybe that says more about recent Browns history than it does Baker. That being said, uh, it does mean something. Uh, do you agree with that? Uh, you know, not to put you on the spot, but to put you on the spot, yeah. do you agree? Yeah, I think that's right. You know, so much we focus on, did they win a championship or did they not win a championship? But when you're a fan of a franchise, like what you remember is where you were, the memories you had during like the great moments with that franchise. And you just mentioned it. I mean, for Browns fans, it's kind of been few and far between. And so uh, they can look at it and say, man, when we drafted this guy, number one, overall, we thought he was going to be here for a decade. We thought that he was going to lead us to multiple Super Bowls. That didn't happen. But you know what? There are going to be Browns fans who say, remember when we, we went to that Steelers-Browns playoff game and, you know, we were, the Steelers had just been beating up on us forever and we went in there and we beat them or we watched that game together. Like, that stuff absolutely is meaningful. And so I think that the franchise, um, you know, the past couple of years has been different than it was previously. Now they're going in a, obviously a different direction. But yeah, I think there will be uh, some positive memories for Browns fans during the Baker Mayfield era. Okay, now I feel like I've been too positive, Shield. So now let's get to the uh, let's get to the negative stuff, and that is uh, with Baker and his trade market. If there's a trade market at all, one, what do you think it is, and two, what what's a good fit for for Baker Mayfield? 
A lot of the dominoes have fallen now. So a lot of this comes down to timing. I mean, if the Browns started the offseason knowing they were going to trade Baker Mayfield, the compensation they would have gotten back is different than what they might get back now. And so now you look around the league, I see two teams. I mean, I see the Seattle Seahawks and the Carolina Panthers. Those are the two teams who really have no answer at starting quarterback right now who could potentially be interested. You know, to me, I can just envision Pete Carroll and John Schneider bringing Baker Mayfield in saying, this guy's got a chip on his shoulder. He's been beat up. He's going to fit our culture. We're going to run the football. Anyway, we've got two good wide receivers. Uh, so a move like that could potentially make sense, but uh, really it comes down to those two teams. And so the compensation that the Browns would potentially get back. I mean, I look at Carson Wentz, getting a third round pick and then another third round pick that could turn into a second. And I say, you know, Sam Darnold got a second round pick last offseason. You would think Baker Mayfield would be sort of in that neighborhood. But at the same time, uh, it's just different because the market's different now. The teams that need a quarterback are different now. And so the Browns might not be able to get uh, that type of return for trading Mayfield, given where we are in the NFL calendar. I'm going to go big picture with you on this. I started talking with uh, Michael Smith about this a couple of days ago and I said, hey, have we have we gotten it wrong? And he, he said we we haven't gotten it wrong. And my, my point was, you know, all these teams are talking about, hey, we need a quarterback and they're going all in. You see the Browns and guaranteeing two hundred thirty million dollars to Deshaun Watson 49ers last year, multiple draft draft picks draft capital going up uh, to get Trey Lance, Matthew Stafford. Uh, to the Rams, multiple draft picks. Again, now he's got a big contract. Is it possible, is it possible still to win in the NFL, to win a championship with, let's say a good quarterback, good quarterback, but not a superstar. Uh, roster is fortified in all areas. Your quarterback is not great. Let's say, let's say it's the, your Mac Jones, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, somewhere between 11 and 16, those quarterbacks. Can you win that way too? You can win in a given year. Uh, we've seen that. Uh, I, I don't think you can sustain success that way. And so if you're a GM or a coach mm. and you say, we don't just want to win the, you know, get to the Super Bowl next year. We want to be in this thing for five to seven years. That doesn't mean you're going to be winning the Super Bowl or getting to the Super Bowl all those years, but you're in the mix. You know, you're playing in the divisional round. Maybe you're making it to the championship round. I mean, history has just shown us, unless you have one of these guys that can elevate the rest of your roster, that can make up for other mistakes uh, for, pl for players on the roster, or weaknesses on the roster it's just really hard to sustain that success i mean look at the recent teams we've seen who've tried to not maybe not try to do it that way but have done it that way and the 49ers got to the super bowl with jimmy garoppolo and what did they do? They evaluated where they were and they said, oh, we need to upgrade. There, there might be a limited ceiling with Garoppolo. We need to go up and make, take a big swing for Trey Lance. You could even look at the Rams a few years ago, right? They get to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. And then what did they do? A couple of years later, they said, all right, our, our ceiling is going to be limited with a quarterback of that caliber. Uh, we need someone who is going to be better than that, give us a higher ceiling, and they make the big move for Matthew Stafford. So uh, I think right now, I would say you got to swing for the fences at quarterback. You're not always going to get there, but I think a lot of organizations watched that Bills-Chiefs playoff game and said, do we have a dude in the building who is capable of playing in that game, or do we not? And if we don't, that's priority number one uh, for this offseason. So I don't blame them. I think you have to take those swings. I'm glad you brought up that game. I have something I want to ask you about that. And if I forget, which I might, 
uh, remind me, say, hey, you wanted to ask me something about that. Uh, you wanted to ask me about that Bills Chiefs playoff game. But before I get there and ask you that question, because that was, uh, I thought that was a significant game. I, I felt a shift there, but I felt the shift in a different direction. I'll get to that in a second. But I do want to ask you this. Okay, so let me, let me push back a little bit on this quarterback thing. All right, so the 49ers, yeah, they made a move for Trey Lance, but they were just in the NFC Championship game this year. I know Garoppolo didn't do well down the stretch, but they were in the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo and a 10-point lead, and I'm not sure, you tell me, I'm not sure if I blame Garoppolo more for blowing that 10-point lead or Kyle Shanahan. So with Jimmy Garoppolo, you were in a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game in a four-year span. I'm not sure you need, you know, do you really need to go out and spend all that capital on a, on a, on a big-time quarterback? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I would say they were more the exception uh, than the rules. So I think it's possible. I don't think it's the best way to build it. So I think you look at what the 49ers had going for them. One is they have a offensive play caller or schemer or coach or however you want to phrase it, who has shown an ability to make the whole greater than the sum of the parts. You know, he really knows how to maximize the quarterback's ability. He's shown an ability to do that over and over again. And so those coaches exist. I mean, we could probably name uh, a handful of them right now. And so if you have have that type of coach, then you could at least think about it. I mean, you always want to take the swing on the great quarterback, but you can say we can be a little bit patient. We don't have to do that uh, right away. And the other thing is, I mean, they just have some legitimate blue chip talent in the primes of their career. I mean, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams. I mean, these are three guys who are arguably, I mean, they're all, all pro caliber players. And so uh, I think their roster is in a pretty interesting spot too. And that's not to mention uh, their defense that has played well too. So uh, it's not impossible. Yeah, you could have a three, four, uh, five year stretch, but if you're kind of building it from scratch, to me, that would be the harder way to do it. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks who are great and you look at their coach and you go, all right, coach isn't that great. Look at the rest of the roster. All right, <laughs> roster's not that good. And then he's like, oh, they're playing in the, the AFC championship again. I mean, you know, they, they're kind of like the erasers. When you find Patrick Mahomes, I mean, think of all the stuff you could screw up when you have Patrick Mahomes. And guess what? The next 10 years, like you're, you're probably going to at least be playing in the second round of the playoffs. And so to me, uh, that's why I understand it when these teams go crazy and, and try to find that quarterback. Now, I know you know um, uh, some franchises around the league very well, particularly uh, Philadelphia and Seattle. How about Philadelphia? D does Philadelphia have one of those quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts? Are, are you sure yet, or you just need to see you know, another season or two before you can figure out what his ceiling is? Yeah, I don't think they're sure because I don't know that it was them, you know, turning down the Russell Wilsons and Deshaun Watsons this offseason. You know, I think it might have been uh, vice versa where they kind of caught wind that maybe those guys weren't going to be a possibility. So I think from an intangible perspective, they love Jalen Hurts. I mean, in the building, I think work ethic, uh, the way he connects with teammates, his demeanor, his ability to be coached hard, take criticism. Like they're confident that whatever the ceiling is for Jalen Hurts, he's going to reach that ceiling because he's wired the right way. I just don't think that they know that that ceiling is that high. And, and you know, he's got stuff to work on uh, as a passer. I, I think that playoff game they had against the Bucks last year, they really couldn't move the ball through the air. Uh, he is a gifted runner. Their run game was very good. And so I think they're kind of in wait and see mode. They're saying, all right, uh, we didn't make a move this offseason. We've got three first round picks. We'll ride with Jalen Hurts in 2021. We'll revisit this next season. If he comes out, improves and has a great season, great. We'll continue to roll with Jalen Hurts. If he goes back, 
backwards or stay stagnant, well, uh, we might have some draft capital to work with and we might be looking in a different direction. So they're kind of in this middle tier uh, of NFL team where I don't think anyone would consider them a Super Bowl contender next year. You wouldn't consider them among the worst teams in the NFL. They're probably going to hover around seven, eight or nine wins next season. And it all comes down to kind of how much Hurts can develop next year. I know Hertz has tremendous composure. I just think about him in Washington when that crappy stadium fell apart and he just was able to do a little electric slide, just kind of, and then, and then pose for pictures and shield the letter and then write a letter after that. I mean, that, that was great. That was probably the most impressive sequence I've seen from Jalen Hurts. Uh, that's, that's, that's the one I saw all season. I love those little moments because it was so natural. Yeah, I would have been like, you know, panic, panic mode or railing falling down, people falling down. Then he poses and then just to stick it to the rival uh, Washington football team, he, yeah, writes the letter. You guys need to get your stuff together because you almost injured me and we're about to go uh, to the playoffs here. So, yeah, I thought that was a standout moment for sure. All right, so here's – I didn't forget the Buffalo-Kansas City game. So that game, uh, and just full disclosure, I had really – uh, started a war with Buffalo fans the week before because they, they, they crushed the Patriots and, and which I expected. I thought the, I thought the bills would win that game. I didn't think they beat them by 30 points, but they just beat them down. And after that game, I said, well, you know, the bills still aren't that good. Oh boy. You know, so I heard from the bills mafia. So I was rooting hard for like whatever by any means necessary. Just Kansas City win this game, win this game. I cannot deal with this team in an AFC Championship game. But that being said, football-wise, look obviously, Josh Allen was brilliant in that game, as was Patrick Mahomes. But what stood out to me, Shield, was that you know your old school three four four three whatever your base defense is. That's out the window. Your big lumbering, uh, 285, 290 pound defensive end who sets the edge. Okay, that's great. Those guys, like, what you really need is some instinctive hybrid defensive players to deal with those quarterbacks. So I didn't come out of that thinking, hey, every team needs a quarterback like this. I'm thinking, you guys better get some. Some uh, some guys who can play like the Isaiah Simmons, what, what he was billed to be coming out of Clemson. He can play some safety, some corner, some linebacker. He can rush. And, and I don't know if that's all true, but that's the idea. If, so I think that may be as important, if not more important than finding the, the uh, franchise quarterback. Yeah, I, I have a rule for teams as they approach their offseason. When you're signing a free agent to a lot of money, when you're making a big trade, when you're drafting a guy in the first round, employ the two-minute rule. What does the two-minute rule mean? That means in the last two minutes of a close game, is that guy on the field or is that guy on the sideline? And so you could give me the best run-stuffing defensive tackle in the history of the NFL. If that guy can't rush the passer, I'll still take him on my team, but I'm not investing those resources into him. It's just what you mentioned, a a downhill thumper linebacker who's going to lead the league in tackles against the run. Okay, he's got a place on your roster, but you can't invest significant resources uh, into that type 
type of player anymore. And so uh, I think you're absolutely right there. Now with the hybrid players, uh, I laugh at coaches sometimes because they'll, you know, they'll look at a player on film and they're doing their draft prep and they're, oh my gosh, I'm going to use this guy. Like you mentioned with Isaiah Simmons, he's going to blitz on third down. He's going to cover the tight end when we need him to. Hey, he can drink and carry the slot receiver. And the guy gets in the camp and then it's week three. And what does the story come out? Uh, you know, Isaiah, they're having a tough time figuring out how to use. I, wait, Isaiah, you look at the snap count. Isaiah Simmons played 10 snaps last week. What's going on? So it always looks better to them on film. So I let, they always have positionless players. Just chill, okay? I know everybody, every NFL coach thinks they're a genius, but, you know, if a cornerback's a cornerback, like if it's a good cornerback, you don't have to overthink it. <laughs> Just play him at cornerback. So you're right. When it, when it works, like Derwin James of the Chargers, oh, man, that's beautiful. This guy's doing a different thing on every snap. He impacts the game. But I do think they get a little carried away sometimes, uh, kind of maybe uh, overestimating their own abilities as coaches to figure out ways to put these players in positions to succeed. That's a good point. Hey, last thing I have for you. We're talking about free agents and hey, don't sign this guy. Don't invest resources in that one. Uh, tell me a couple of guys, uh, you know, just from from your perspective. Hey, you've been watching all the free agent signings covering all these things. Is, is there a guy or two who's still out there available and you're saying, wait a minute. Why? It, it, he's so good. I can't I, I can't believe somebody hasn't scooped him up yet. Who, who's a guy or two like that? Man, there's one guy that stands above everybody else, and that's Tyron Matthew. I mean, we were just talking about safety play. Can a guy be there in the final I'm two minutes? You. I mean, I mean, before free guy. agency, I, I'm going, he's going to be the first guy signed as soon as this you know, negotiation period is underway. I felt like every fan base in the country was saying, let's go get Tyron Matthew, and he's still out there. Now, he's 30 years old. He stayed relatively healthy. Uh, maybe he is one of those guys who you have to have the right coach because you don't want to just put him in one place and uh, you know be stagnant about it. I mean, you want him to be able to use his instincts. But, man, I can't figure out why we're this deep into free agency and Tyron Matthew does not have a home on a contender at the top of the safety market. And so that's kind of the guy I really uh, have my eye on here as we figure out what's going to happen next in free agency. And then the other guy uh, is Jadeveon Clowney. You know, he's like a free agent every year uh, to, you know, some years yeah. it's been like, why is he out there? Uh, but last year, I mean, he had what, nine, nine sacks, I think, played well for the Browns. And so I'm sure he's looking for a better payday this offseason. Maybe that's not coming to him. Maybe teams are saying, we'll give you a one-year deal, but we don't want to lock in to a long-term uh, contract with you. But man, a contending team like the Rams, you know, they lose Von Miller. Well, if they, were they going to look at somebody like Jadeveon Clowney, a team like the Chiefs? I know they wanted to improve their pass rush. Uh, those are guys that could really swing things in my opinion opinion uh for a contending team i'm with you on teron matthew I, I, all the way as a matter of fact and not that justin reed is uh, a bad player he's certainly not but if you're the chiefs why do you go out and sign him rather than just keeping your own guy who yeah. is uh just really a, a just a heady playmaker that, that's what it is it's like defense is now you're not a you're not a great defense because you rank, you know, first, second, or third in points allowed. You're a great defense if you got like three or four playmakers to say anytime who yeah. can just change a game. And he's one of those guys. I just don't understand why they didn't bring him back. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you always look at money first, I guess the top of that safety market. I know some of these guys thought maybe they're getting 16 or $17 million a year. That would be the top of it. Uh, Justin Reed, I think came in at 10 million. So maybe they thought Matthew was looking for that big payday. It hasn't happened yet, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if you're a contending team, he's a leader, he's got those instincts. You're so right. I mean, you're not going to be forcing like six, three and outs on these uh, quarterbacks nowadays, most of the time, unless you're really an elite defense, but do you have somebody who an offensive coordinator sits down on Monday or Tuesday? and goes, we need to know where that guy is uh, on every snap and, and account for him. And, and Tyron Matthew is that type of player. Hey, Shield, I appreciate it. I'll tell you, uh, not only will we uh, continue to read you in The Athletic, but I don't know who came up with Birds with Friends. What a great name for a podcast. So we'll be checking that out too. Are you going to take credit for it? Do you get the, uh, do you get the royalties on Birds no, with No, I'll Friends? give my... I'll give my co-hosts uh, Bo Wolf and Zach Berman credit, or uh, I'll never hear the end of it if I try to steal steal the spotlight on that one. Well, hey, listen, uh, you contribute to the podcast. Uh, it's a great one. Thanks for taking some time with us. I hope you come back and talk some more football with us uh, as we get closer to the season. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Shio. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Second hour of the Brother from Another program. Let's call it a program. Uh, Michael Smith is not here today. If you're just tuning in, uh, he'll be back in a couple of days. But Thursday, maybe Thursday. Someone, somebody say Thursday. Anyway, uh, inside Brother from Another joke. Here it is. Check out this headline. AFC continues to drain the NFC of talent. And we've talked a lot about this, right? Uh, the AFC has made a lot of moves. You know, Russell Wilson to the Broncos, Deshaun Watson to the Browns, the Chargers bringing in Khalil Mack, the, the Colts bringing in Matt Ryan. I mean, just so many big time moves in the AFC. The Raiders making a move for Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones to add to Max Crosby, uh, Max Crosby already on the roster. And of course, Von Miller, Von Miller to the Bills. So these are all great moves, right? I'm setting you up for something. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Are you ready to argue with me? 
I was thinking about this the other day. So, okay. I'm excited about the AFC. I'm excited about the AFC West in particular. Every team is a good team. There's not a bad team uh, in the AFC West. Uh, the Broncos were a bad team last year. I didn't believe in them. They won seven games. Uh, they changed their coach, but more importantly, they changed a the quarterback. So they're not a bad team. You, you're Russell Wilson. You got Russell Wilson as your quarterback. You're not a bad team anymore. So they don't have a single bad team in the conference. I want to see every single AFC West game. Every game. Every game. I want to see them all. I'm interested. That being said, I was thinking about the best teams in the NFL. All right, who are the top five teams in the NFL? I came up with a list. All right, get ready. All right, get ready. Get ready. Here we go. Top five teams uh, in the NFL, and number one is not an AFC team, and neither is number two. So I got the Rams, and I'll, I'll explain this. I'll show my work here in a second. I got the Rams. Still, as the number one team in the NFL. I got the Buccaneers at two. And if you had asked me uh, for, you know, Tom Brady's sabbatical, uh, Tampa Bay is probably in the bottom five, and now they're in the top five. What a difference a great quarterback. What a difference a GOAT makes on your roster. Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, I love you. I love you, 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 I love you, Cincinnati. I was gonna put you at number five just to be a troll, but but, but, but it's being real, being genuine. Uh, Cincinnati, Super Bowl runner-ups, kind of got screwed the fourth quarter of that game. I was right on top of the play, by the way, right on top of the play at SoFi Stadium. That was not pass interference. Probably should have won the game. Oh, well, but your number three, number three team in the NFL, Buffalo. I love you too, Buffalo, Western New York, my people. Uh, I got Buffalo at four. I don't have Kansas City in the top five, but Kansas City is probably six on my list. But my number five is, is Green Bay. And let me just go, uh, let me go one through five. You can tell me what you think of it. And uh, as I said, you know, any, uh, any suggestions, any complaints, any arguments, just holler at us. You know, it's easy to find us on social media. Somebody is looking at everything that you say about us. Everybody, somebody's looking at it and you will get a chance to uh, respond. We'll talk about it in the comment section. We'll do some comment sections, plural, uh, this week, including one today. But I would say number one, right? The LA Rams won the Super Bowl, had one possession games throughout the postseason, except for that game, uh, the, the first one over, over um, the Cardinals at home. So one possession game over the Buccaneers, one possession game over the 49ers that came back at home. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of choked it up in the fourth quarter. And then the game against Cincinnati. They win close games. They have the best defensive player in football in Aaron Donald. They have the best receiver last year, best receiver in football in Cooper Cup. The quarterback is coming back, Matthew Stafford. 41 touchdown passes, tying a franchise record. They got a young coach. Youngest coach to win the Super Bowl has already been the two Super Bowls, and he's not even 40 years old yet. They got their core coming back. They're spending money. They got a philosophy. F them picks. It's the LA Rams. 
Until somebody can knock them off, I'm saying the Rams, they're running it back. And they add Allen Robinson. They add Allen Robinson uh, to a group that didn't really need anybody else. I know, I know, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt, Robert Woods traded. But Allen, they add a, 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 another number one to the number one they had in Cooper Cup. And we ran the graphic the other day about Robinson. I love this stat about him. The best quarterbacks uh, he's ever played with. The, well, the quarterbacks, he's, he's had the most, the most attempts. Most attempts. Number one on his list is Blake Bortles. Number two on his list is Mitch Trubisky. Or other way around. It's one, you know, one and two. But that's a one-two combination you don't want to have. That the quarterbacks that you've had the most run with are Mitch Trubisky and Blake Bortles. And yet, he's a number one. Look at that production. So the Rams, I don't think you guys, we're not going to argue that. Let's just move on. Uh, number two, the Buccaneers. They got better. They got better. Now, I was annoyed with Tom Brady trying to, you know, shoot his way out of Tampa. I'm convinced he, that's what he was trying to do. He thought he could retire on the slick. Oh, I'm retired. Wink, wink. I'm retired. Oh, you know, I sure would. Uh, hey, hey, put it out there. Put the story out there. I, I, I'd like to play for my, my hometown team. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Uh, maybe, maybe San Francisco will, will trade for me and I can get, you know, Garoppolo tried to get me out of New England. I'm going to get Garoppolo out of San Francisco. I'm going to take his job and I'm going to win a Super Bowl with San Francisco. No, no, no. Not happening. They get Brady back. But look who else they got coming back. They got Mike Evans there. Russell Gage, great pickup. They steal Shaq Mason from the Patriots uh, to replace Kappa. I think Mason's a better player than Kappa, even though Kappa was uh, a pro bowler last year. And uh, uh, they got Logan Ryan, who, who played with Brady in New England. So uh, Tampa is right there. The Bengals fixed their offensive line. I'll just say that. They fixed their offensive line. That was the number one issue with them uh, going into the offseason. And they've got two real offensive linemen. I mean, Kappa and Collins are starters. I don't think I don't think Ted Karras uh, is a starter, but I think he's a really good uh, swing guy. He can play some guard and play some center for you. Uh, pick up Hayden Hurst uh, to replace Ujama. Uh, pretty good. And I got B.J. Hill coming back. Buffalo. Man, oh man, oh man. Buffalo, Buffalo had a tremendous, I would say, if I'm ranking the free agents, this free agents, because I, I don't count Tom, Tom Brady just decided to come back. That's not a free agent comeback. If I'm ranking the free agents on my big board, I say Buffalo had the best free agent signing, clearly, of the offseason. Von Miller, I, okay, let me say it this way. As I was just saying to Shield Kapadia. Now, I'm still, I'm in transition. I'm trying to figure out my, my, my philosophy on, on defenses, great defenses. Now, if you're like me, of a certain age, grew up and you just got used to knowing, you got used to describing defenses in a certain way. You know, there was a such, such a thing as a shutdown corner. Nobody threw in that direction. Talking about you, Deion Sanders. Guy, just take away half the field. That's it. Half the field's taken away. You don't worry about that side of the field. You got to do your business over there and the defense would just suffocate you. We're talking about the, those 70 Steelers. We're talking about uh, the Giants and, and the Bears 
uh, in the 80s. Uh, in the 90s, at times you had a fast defense like the Cowboys, 2,000 Ravens, just like these shutdown defenses. Those defenses don't exist anymore. So now you got to talk about something else when you say a great defense. So Buffalo, on paper, this is our argument. I'm not going to lose this. I'm not going to lose my point on this. I'm not going to give up my position. On paper, Buffalo was a great defense last year. Number one, number one. Uh, and fewest points allowed in the NFL. And number two uh, was New England, and I think Denver was third. All right, Denver was seven and ten. Uh, New England in the playoffs, last two games against Buffalo, Buffalo didn't punt. So number two defense in the league in two games against Buffalo, Buffalo didn't punt. Let me say it one more time. <laughs> okay, let me, let me just make this point. Number two defense in the league. Fewest points allowed. Great defense on paper. But they played Buffalo twice. The last two games against Buffalo, Buffalo did not punt. And the number one defense in football, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm about to compliment you, but we got to tell, tell truth first, right? We got we to be truth tellers before we get to the compliment. Number one defense in football, 13 seconds left. You know what happened. Your number one defense in football, 13 seconds. You just got to count for 13 seconds. Your number one defense in football. Okay, anyway, point is they bring in Von Miller, a dimension that they've they haven't had in the Sean McDermott era. They bring him in and they got Josh Allen. Great. So, I mean, we're talking about all these teams, and then Green Bay, and, and Green Bay is my number five. And Green Bay, you could argue that Green Bay should be higher than five. I want you to, I want you to tell me your five, and I want you to show your work. Tell me why. Green Bay should be higher than five. The only reason I knocked Green Bay down to five is because Devontae Adams left. But they brought back Aaron Rodgers, got him a new contract. They have good players on defense. And Still got their running backs. Got a good running game. Got a good offensive line. Hired a new special teams coach. Hired a new special teams coach. That's what, you know, let's put that there. So Green Bay, uh, Pat O'Donnell, yeah, great. Uh, Robert Tanyan, great. And then we should put up uh, on there, ST, Rich Bisaccia. Because special teams really killed them when it mattered most against San Francisco. They were in control of that game, and then special teams uh, just broke down, as it did most of the season. But my larger point, though, is Aaron Rodgers, if you look at his career, Aaron Rodgers' career as a starter, and this is no slight to Devontae Adams. Devontae, number one receiver in football, number two receiver in football, number three, top three, yeah, all that. Great, great production. Yes, yes, awesome. Uh, got the money, deserves the money. Go ahead. I love when people, whether, they, whether they're athletes, uh, academics, engineers, accountants, get your money. Go ahead, get your money. And, and if you want to ask for a little bit more, ask for a little bit more. You deserve it. You work hard. But Aaron Rodgers, throughout his career, has made or has boosted, let's put it that way, because made sounds a little too, that sounds a little too disrespectful. Aaron Rodgers has boosted the talent, the, all, the inherent talent of the receivers that have been brought to him. You bring them to Aaron Rodgers, they get better. Now, I know 
You're saying, well, what about the playoffs? What about, in fact, he's only been to one Super Bowl. Why does he keep choking in the playoffs? Why, you know, why isn't there any home field advantage at Lambeau? I got that. Okay, we can talk about that. I'm just saying, Aaron Rodgers, and you talk about his weapons, if you bring a guy to Aaron Rodgers and he's got a little bit of talent, that guy's going to get better. So if Brian Gutekunst has a little bit of sense, and I think he does, you bring Aaron Rodgers, you got multiple first-round picks, you can finally spend a first-round pick on a wide receiver. You can spend a first-round pick on a deep wide receiver draft class, bring them to Aaron Rodgers, and I think the Packers are going to be just fine. Let me, let me ask you this. Let, let's say it another way. If, you don't, if you're not feeling me on this, if you don't believe me, are you, are you willing to say that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who have gone the last three years, right, have gone 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 4, right? Do they go from a 13 win team to a 10 win team because Devontae Adams is not there? 13 to 11? I, I mean, it, it, just look at it that way. Are you willing to say they're a different kind con- regular season? Now, postseason is a different conversation. We'll have that uh, when we get to uh, 2023, January of 2023. That'll be the big story. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will have another brilliant season. Uh, he'll, he'll, be, uh, he'll be in the single digits and interceptions again. You know, everything will be going well. He'll be in the MVP conversation again. Uh, Green Bay will be leading the NFC North again. What are y'all doing in the NFC North? Can y'all get some of what the AFC West has? Can you give the can you give the brothers some competition in the NFC North? What are you doing? Chicago, Detroit? What are you doing? Minnesota? What are you doing? Come on, let's go, let's go. Anyway, he'll be in that he'll he'll be in this conversation again, and we'll talk about the playoffs. But in the meantime, we'll get there, and you'll look at some of his receivers, and you'll say, "Wow, this guy's not Devontae Adams." but it's pretty good. That's my top five. How about yours? When I come back, I'm going to talk to somebody who's in my top top five interviewees. Oh, she's really good. She's really good. We'll talk with her next on brother from another. Come on. Let's argue. What's up? You having fun? I'm having fun. I don't even. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
All right, listen, I always enjoy talking basketball, just in general. I enjoy talking ball. I mean, who doesn't like talking ball? But I enjoy it that much more when Chrissy Winter Scott is around because she's a baller herself, <laughs> a baller and a scholar. Now, how, how about that? How about that description? That's what you, should, you should put down on your business cards. Baller a baller and, and a scholar. But I graduated now, so you know. I'm still, but no, you, you, but a scholar, you like you, 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 uh, you studied the game, you played the game, and then, and then put your, uh, bring your Maryland jersey in there too, just in case. I mean, people need to shout out, shout out Maryland. (laughs) So we had a. How you doing, Chrissy? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on again. This is so much fun. You know, I love March. So it's a holiday for me. I love it. Uh, the, the whole month is a holiday, huh? Well, I want to ask you about a few things going on in, in March. Mm-hmm. And I saw, yeah. uh, you know, I saw a couple of references to this because there, there have been some upsets. Uh, let's talk, with the, uh, talk about the women's tournament at first. There have been mm-hmm. some upsets in the women's tournament. Uh, UConn was not one of those teams that was upset. But it, it led to this conversation of parody. Yeah, almost. I know. Uh, what? What? One by five points. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, we close. always talk about you know parody, and this is good. Is it really coming to the women's game? Mm-hmm. How close are we to that? Because we've had so we had such a run. It was Tennessee, then went from Tennessee to UConn, South Carolina, Notre Dame a couple of times. Are we close mm-hmm. to having a surprising champ? Or, or, I think or so. A run of surprising champs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's been like that for some time. I mean, UConn hasn't won a championship since 2016, right? So, I mean, there's been a, um, a drought for them and that's not shady. That's just stats, you know, stats don't lie. But, um, but with that being said, I know that the last couple of seasons has been really, really good for the parody of the game and the conversation that you're discussing. And I think it's been like that on the men's side, and we've seen that again this year, uh, Murray State, et cetera, et cetera. And so the, the assuredness of the top seeds, when you're looking at percentages, a one and two seed, I mean, it's still an astronomical number in terms of percentage to win the overall championship. So yes, there is more parity. And yes, in the Sweet 16, there are teams like Creighton uh, who upset Iowa. Uh, you Iowa, know, there are wow. some trem- yes, there are some tremendous upsets in the field of 62, or I'm sorry, of 32 after having 68 teams in this season for the women. But I think, you know, just to, you know, have teams like Iowa be upset on their home floor, I mean, that's a big win for Creighton. And, and Miss Jensen, you know, she, was on the Iowa team last year and then hit the game winner or the go-ahead shot, uh, the three-point shot to to put them up. So it's just all the drama is is being seen for sure on the women's side. And, I, and whether or not, I don't like the conversation of good for women's basketball because women's basketball is great already, right? It doesn't need right, like good. that to be great. I mean, I, I think there's still eyes on the game regardless. And, you know, UConn, you know, being pushed to the absolute limit Okay, by Belmont, a great team, 52 points for UConn. I don't know if any other team moving forward in the tournament is going to be able to do that to a, a really, really talented UConn squad. So, you know, there, there are games where you're just, I mean, your eyebrows are raised, whether the upset happens or it's close to being an upset. So I, I think it's, it's just great for March, whether it be men's or women's basketball. 
you know, to see that kind of parody. And that's why we love the brackets. That's why everyone's bracket is busted because we just don't know how it's going to end up on the men's side or the women's side. Well, listen, I'm not, I'm not advocating, uh, you know, for you to just blow your money, but okay. But I'll, I'll, let's just have some, let's, let's have some monopoly money here for a second. Okay. Uh, we're betting. Let's uh, we okay. just bet. Put all your money. You got to put all of it, not just a little bit. You got to put it all okay. in. It's, sure. like, it's like Final Jeopardy. Got to. I, I, I got to put it all in just to have a chance to win. All right. So, who's gonna win it? Who's gonna win this whole thing? I would say on the women's side, I'm going with South Carolina, and you know they had some hiccups along the way, just two losses this season. One game off uh, a one-point loss to Missouri during the SEC portion of the regular season. And then they lost, of course, to Kentucky and the SEC tournament championship. So I think they're fueled. I think they're ready. I think that they are um, they're seasoned. And I know that they are battle-tested from last year's disappointing loss to Stanford in the semifinals of the Final Four. One put back away, one inch away. Aaliyah Boston's shot just came that short. So I think they're hungry. I think they're primed and ready. And I think that experience prepared them from last year. But I also think the two losses that they had to go through this season, I think that has them fired up and ready to go. And you never count out Dawn Staley for a redo or a run it back situation, which I think a lot of us are are seeing uh, for South Carolina being the queen of, of the uh, – Final Four and the queen of the women's basketball season this year. They sat at number one all year for a reason, even with those two losses. So any other team who had incurred those losses, I think they would have been bumped out of that number one spot. But I think South Carolina and the, the faith that I think a lot of people have in Don Staley and the and the fans, which are, are the fans there in South Carolina that Don Staley calls them, I think that they are, they're ready for it. And I think that it's going to be really tough to beat them moving forward in the regionals and in the final four as well. I mean, they're, they're ready for it. You know, Chrissy, uh, uh, some of these young women will be like their, their head coach, Don Staley. They'll play in the WNBA uh, mm -hmm. just like she did. And as we look at that league, uh, a lot of things with the, with the WNBA are newsworthy, including Brittany Griner. Now it's it's what mm -hmm. I'm gonna make sure I have the date. It's March 22nd now. Now this yes. is a story. This just blows my mind. It's March 22nd since mid February. Mm -hmm. Brittany Griner has been detained in Russia because Russian officials say they found pretty much some traces of cannabis uh, in mm -hmm. her, you know, cannabis oil in her luggage, and right. she's been detained for over a month. And, mm -hmm. and there was another report out that th this may be extended until mid-May. So, I, know. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a tense story anyway. It becomes even yes. bigger, even more tense when you consider U.S.-Russia relations, especially right now what's going on with, you know, a, a lot of countries standing mm -hmm. in support of Ukraine and against Russia. What mm -hmm. do you think, what do you think is going to happen here? How does this situation become eased and eventually resolved? Well, number one, uh, I just feel devastated for Brittany Griner and, and her family and, you know, and her fans too. I just think that um, it's a tremendously scary situation. I mean, I played overseas years ago and it was before Creature Comforts and FaceTime and all of these things. And it was scary. I mean, I love to play 
and I love the opportunity to go over there and play. But I remember my dad, rest in peace, always told me never go anywhere without your passport. I was always head on a swivel, always cognizant of being in a different area, different culture. Um, and I, you know, I want to be careful as well, because I know Brittany Griner's family has said that they didn't want to bring a large amount of attention to the situation and make it worse for Brittany. And, and we definitely don't want to do that. But at the same time, I, I just hope she knows and her family knows that we're all really praying for her safe return. Um, basketball aside, I mean, if she doesn't play basketball anymore, that's fine for me. I just want her to be back and and be back and be safe. I think that's what her family wants. That's what her fans want. And she's constantly in, in our thoughts every single day. I know for me, I you know look and see if there have been any updates. I know Dawn Staley, we were just talking about her. I know she has been very um, vocal about you know, getting legalities involved to, to get her back here. So, I mean, the WNBA draft is on April 11th. The season begins the first week of May and May 19th is the date they're giving, like you said, and, and that's into the season. So, I mean, we're not even thinking X's and O's. We're not even thinking tactically. We're not even thinking roster and salary cap and yada, yada. We're talking about a human being and we're talking about, their safe return here. And I think that is the most critical of this discussion. And I hope that that it comes out the way it's supposed to in, in a safe way for her. That's well said. That's well said, Chrissy. And, you know, it, you're, you're right. It's just one of those situations where you want to you want to talk about it, but you don't want to do anything that will, you know, inflame the situation. So you're kind exactly. of cautiously like uh, we all are just kind of cautiously working your sure. way around it because you just don't for know, sure. um, just don't know mm -hmm. how it's going to turn out, but uh, hoping, hoping for the best clearly yeah. now to, uh, to, to much, yeah. you know, trivial matters to trivial matters uh, on the court. You know, I, I, I start off asking you about the women's game and, you know, upsets. And if we're getting to this point where we'll see upsets become the norm, I really feel like I love the St. Peter's story. I love St. Peter's and the men's tournament. Yeah. And I think this is one of the things that say, I just need Chrissy. Tell me, tell me that uh, this will happen in 2000, uh, 2030. Okay. Not too far away. 2030 that a team like St. Peter's. Yes. Could just win the whole thing. Like I, I I'm, 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 fine with a 15 over a two. They beat Kentucky. Right. And they didn't seem surprised. And they beat right. Murray they like, and they were just like, yeah, okay. Next. Yeah, we beat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But I want to get to the point. I'd love to see a small school. I think their enrollment is like 2,500, 2,300, something like that. I'd love to see a small school be at the top of the college <laughs> basketball world in the men's or women's game. How close are we to getting that? Oh, very close. I mean, very we're close, seeing really? window. Very close, very close. And Ooh. I think, you know, I think, and, and you have to look at what's happened in the in the last couple of seasons with, with COVID, number one, um, and players returning. So the experience level for a lot of teams is different than it would normally be in that regard, but also, the recruiting process has changed as well. It's like, well, you know, these teams have 23 and 24 year olds. We need you to come in so we can battle these teams that are keeping players for an extra year 
right? Um, to bolster their opportunities, to bolster their um, return to NCAA tournament prominence, right? So when you have all of these factors woven together, this is a prime time for teams like St. Peter's to go off like they did. And for them to do it on St. Patrick's Day and then for people to be saying, we need to rename it to St. Peter's Day, uh, where they, when they beat Kentucky. I mean, come on, man. I, I mean, you you have to you have to first of all give your respect, and I, I've seen the contrast in in photos to the arenas that they each play in, Kentucky's, and then you know obviously Rupp Arena, and then you know where St. Peter's plays their games, and it and it. I mean, no shade. I'm just saying what I saw. It, it's like a high school gym. Very nice, very big, and very nice, but it was not you know, the same in terms of the support that they get. I heard, um, I think it was Murray State. Um, didn't they have um, an issue getting their cheerleaders there and and people got them there to the round of 32. So it, there, there's not a lot of financial support, but I tell you what, that doesn't measure the heart and soul of these kids who just want a crack at it, who play the game in a hungry manner. They're not elitist. They're not asking, hey, you need to do this for me. They're willing to do it for the team. And I think you're seeing that be what is closing the gap between, you know, the mid majors and the high majors and the power five teams. I think you're seeing these kids who want a chance to prove themselves. And they're not only proving themselves, but they are coming together as a collective unit with that kind of energy that is combustible. And we've seen that this year. And I think that's going to be what continues in both the men's game and the women's game for that matter. And, you know, players have something to prove. And I think that beats, hey, I want to come back one more time and, and try it again, you know? And we yeah, get everything. We get 10 pairs of shoes. We get all these creature comforts or whatever. And then you got these kids coming through the mud to get what they want. And that's the difference. The claws are popped out. The back is hunched. The brow is furled. And they're ready to go for it. And all of them believe in that same way. All of them believe in that same way. That makes a difference. Hey, listen, you keep talking like that. I, you make me feel like I got some game. You're like, I'm ready. Like, <laughs> Let's go. Come on. I can. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let me get out there. But you know, it's funny. We were we were this close. We really were this mm -hmm. close to getting. And I think the latest, yeah. the, the the closest example was Butler. Like when Gordon Hayward had that Ooh. shot against Duke, and it was yeah. just off the rim. Now, if Butler Another small school, yeah. mid-major. Butler mm -hmm. beats Duke. Then you have your true, you have your true upset. Like even like a lot of people go back in the day mentioned, uh, you know, North Carolina State over Houston. Well, they're still they were an ACC team. Uh, they had NBA. They had multiple NBA players on oh. the roster. It's not like it was an upset, yeah. but it wasn't St. Peter's yeah. level. Butler Thank level you. upset. No, no, no. And I think, you know, even when George Mason, you know, a DMV team, when George Mason went to the final four, I think that was, you know, one of the mid-major teams that came through the mud and Jim Laranega, you know, who is now at Miami, yep. who has his team back in the 16 this year. I think you have that kind of fight and that kind of where do they come from, you know, kind of, uh, thought behind that team as well um, several years back. But I, I think it's it's not out of the question that it's going to continue to be tougher and tougher for these Power 5 teams to make it all the way through the six or seven games that they need 
in the NCAA tournament to win a title. And it's not a given. I mean, everybody wants to win. And let's get that clear. Everybody wants to win a championship. Okay. And when you look back at, you know, NBA players, for example, like Patrick Ewing, I mean, played his butt off. He's Hall of Famer. No ring. Right. And it's not a shady comment. I'm just saying everybody wants one. Okay. Not everybody gets one who probably deserves one. So there's a difference when, you know, these, these college teams have these hungry players, I'm telling you, and that's, what's going to make a difference. And it's going to make a difference when these head coaches of these mid-major teams go into these homes of these players who don't want to sit the bench at these power five teams. They want to go and play and they want to make a difference. And they want to see if their effort can impact the result whether they're going to win or lose. And, and I, I tip my hat to them. I mean, there's so many opportunities over 320 schools, division one and all the other divisions too. Like there are so many opportunities for young people to really develop and, and grow as, as young men and women. And it's more than, you know, whether or not they can run a play properly, <laughs> it's the fight. It is the, you know, the guts and the character that's developed through the journey of competing at that level that really uh, incites me, number one, but I think that's why we watch, right? We watch for the drama of that. We watch for the fight of that and the inspiration that it brings to the generation behind them. All right, Chrissy, remember, baller and scholar, get the Maryland, <laughs> get the Maryland uh, jersey in there. You know, <laughs> just got it, you got to get it. And, and, the, and the inset, look at that. You got the Maryland jersey and the inset. So that's just really, that's what that, that frame kind of encapsulates it all. I always enjoy uh, speaking with you, Chrissy. And then you, maybe you can come back when, let's see, you got South Carolina, South Carolina for the women. And then uh, yes. I think you're going to pick Gonzaga. All that stuff. You're going to either pick Gonzaga or St. Peter's. Who you got? I mean, I'm just going to go ahead, since my bracket is already torn up anyway, I'm going to go with St. Peter's now there. Hmm. I said it. No, right, I'm going with Gonzaga. I'm going with Gonzaga. Okay. Maybe, you know, I have two, I have my two brackets. I'm a Gemini, so I can have two different ones, so. There we go. That's it. <laughs> shoulder. All right. Gemini. There's your Gemini answer. All right, Chris. That's me. We appreciate it. We'll talk with you soon. All right, Mike. Thank you so much. No problem. Anytime. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
We're gonna. Uh, Trevor is gonna be the starter in week one. Uh, he'll start this week as well. We wanted him to earn it, as we do with every position. Just apologize to the team and staff and uh, for being a distraction. Just stupid. I'll fight for that locker room. I believe in that locker room. And if someone has something negative to say about that locker room, they're incorrect. Telling us all year that you've had faith in that offensive line. They're sitting there asking every week, like, what, what's going on there? They're getting paid a lot of money to be better than what they've been. Yeah. And so I explained everything that happened and owned it, and you know, just stupid. Uh, should not have myself in that kind of position. Oh, come on. Come on, you know I had to. You know I had to. It's my, it's my my last hometown, home state story. Uh, just kind of putting Urban Meyer back in Ohio because that's where it all happened, right? That's where he had his most success at, at Bowling Green and at Ohio State. So he won a national championship. Um, that's where he had one of his uh, most uh, infamous moments, shall we call it that? Uh, he had a lot of infamous moments in Ohio. Uh, including his last, next to last year at Ohio State, where he certainly suddenly couldn't remember things that were on his cell phone and, you know, had some memory issues when he was being asked about an, a controversial assistant coach. But you remember the night they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals and the rest of the team went back to Jacksonville and Urban stayed in Ohio and was uh, photographed, videoed in a restaurant where he got a little lap dance from somebody who, who wasn't his wife. And so uh, Urban Meyer is in the news again because The Athletic did a comprehensive story. And it, it was really uh, great reporting, some fantastic anecdotes, including one we talked about yesterday where he says, uh, reportedly says, I keep waiting for him to knock this down. Knock down this, please. Knock this down. Come out and defend what's left of your reputation, Urban. Knock down the anecdote where you reportedly said, who's 99 on the Rams? He's pretty good. <laughs> who's 99? And of course, you all know that 99 is Aaron Donald. So the story portrays Urban Meyer as a guy who was um, a bit of a dictator uh, as a head coach, a guy who was not necessarily prepared, who didn't know how to communicate with his players, didn't know how to communicate uh, with his assistant coaches, with his scouts, with anybody. And ultimately, uh, he was fired uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, uh, before we get to the comment section, I just want to say this about Urban Meyer. Look, we've had, I, I've had my fun uh, with Urban Meyer talking about all the things that he's done. And I knew he wouldn't be a good fit for the Jaguars. And not because he's a college coach. Not, not, that's not it. It's not just a college coach. It's a certain kind of college coach which I believe this, this type of college coach is becoming a dinosaur, not just college, in all of professional sports. I've always believed this. You show me a great coach, I'll show you a great teacher. Most of the time, great coaches are great teachers. And I know some teachers yell, and some teachers can be uh, arrogant, but for the most part, a great teacher will meet you where you are and will explain it to you, uh, explain it to you in a way, uh, illustrate, illustrate it to you in a way that you never quite forget. You think about it. You remember some of your best coaches and some of your best teachers uh, to this day, right? In your mind's eye, you just thought of somebody. I think Urban Meyer and coaches like this are dinosaurs. 
I just don't, I can't think of anybody in professional sports who is a true bully and gets away with it. Now, I remember a lot of them growing up in all sports, like the bully coach, you know, uh, college football, college basketball, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, like, like those kind of abrasive, feisty guys, you know, go belly to belly with umpires and they cuss out their players and get in fights in the dugout and all this stuff. I'd see, I, I don't think you can do it now. You can't do it. And so Urban Meyer it comes from that tradition. And I think it's a cautionary tale for any NFL owner or general manager, club president, whatever your title is, if you got hiring and firing power, and you're looking at somebody to bring in as the CEO, I hate that cliche, the CEO of the, uh, of the, of the organization. And, and he's, he, he, he's a leader of men, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. That's not what you should be looking for. Because sometimes that guy doesn't really have the right mentality to lead people. You should be looking at, let, let, let's go with the, let's go with the, uh, the mail room, the mail room story. You know, that, that, that CEO who started off at the lowest rung of the organization, worked their way up, did a variety of jobs. And so when they got to the top and they eventually get to the top, they are able to empathize with everybody. They're able to see from various perspectives because they've done that job and they've grinded a little bit to get to the top. They weren't appointed, they earned it. And I feel like Urban Meyer for the last 20 or 25 years has been appointed to positions, but hasn't really grinded his way to, to the top. He's been appointed and it's a difference. You can disagree, but I think that's what, I, I think that's really what, what causes demise in Jacksonville. Just not humble enough. Doesn't relate to people well enough, clearly. That athletic story tells you all about it. And if you don't read the athletic story, just remember this. <laughs> We're going to get to some of your comments coming up next. Uh, we've decided to uh, go with Trevor. Oh, really? The number one overall pick. You decided to go with it. Okay, Urban. Okay, okay. I, I just I just hope my man Brandon Newman has some takes on this. Um, this is Travis Scott and Kylie Jenner. Got a baby, new baby. Um, they named him Wolf. <laughs> okay, they named the baby Wolf, which is cool. I mean, listen, people name the kids all kinds of things. It's fine. Name them after animals, after seasons, after colors. I'm all for it. I mean, I'm a black man in America, so I have, I have heard every name you can think of with different spellings. Like, black folks are the most creative when it comes to names, Brandon. You know this. All right, so, like, Brandon and Michael, uh, that, that's just like, oh, come on. You ain't taking no chances with that. 
Come no. on, mom and dad. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get in there. Let's get some, not showing I want our, some apostrophes. Give me some apostrophes. Mm. Give me some yep. random capital letters. Come on now. Don't give me a mic. But they changed the kid's name to, uh, from Wolf because they said it didn't suit him. About a month into the game, like, nah, that's not him. How you feel about this brand? I love this story. I think it's a smart move. I think it's a, a really smart move. You got to think about the, the child's essence. I just had my child, uh, Mac. And when he first came out, he was a little small. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is this. I don't know if Mac fits this 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 human. And you know, a couple months later, he, he he's ballooned up. He's got his rolls. We got wipe in between and stuff. So Mac Mac fits him. You know what I mean? We're happy with no, the but decision. See, but see, Brandon Mac is a vibe. It's not necessarily a physical. It's a vibe. So even right. if he's it's small, true. it's true. Hey, I'm Mac. I'm Mac. I talked to a friend of mine earlier today. Uh, his daughter is, uh, I think, seven and a half months pregnant, and and the uh, she knows she's got a boy, and she's gonna name him Mason, right? Okay, Mason. But his it. last name, their last name, begins with an F, so the kid is gonna be MF. So, see, see that yeah, MF? He told, I don't know. He he told her not to do it, but she said, "No, we're going with it." Little MF. I think I think that. <sighs> Bad MF. I mean, I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. You don't my like biggest, it? my biggest thing is what, what is the name going to get changed to for Kylie and Travis? Because all the cousins, they got random like Stormy West, uh, what Saint, like they, they got a bunch of different song. cool random is names. They, they can't cha- they can't change Wolf's name to David. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's I like that name. Song. They got one. All right, they got Chicago. I think they got a Chicago too. So hey man, what's the, what are the people talking about in the in the time that we have left? Let's go through some of these comments. Okay, uh, let let's start with the with my um, with my intervention. I had a take when I first heard that Khalil Mack had signed with the with the <laughs> L.A. Chargers. Yeah, I didn't like it, and I didn't like it for personal reasons. But I couldn't find those personal reasons at the time. At the per- I, I, all I had was just. Just no, 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 no. So I said no, and I got drugged in the comments. There's about 300 comments, about 250 of them are dedicated to who the F is Brandon, why is this guy on the show? Okay, so let's start with Southern Black. He said, this guy clearly doesn't know what the F he's talking about. Tillery has damn near been a bust. Just because he's a first round pick doesn't mean nothing when that can't produce, when they can't produce. He's not even underrated, he's average to almost bad. Now, I'll say this, okay, I did shout out Tillery's name because he's a Notre Dame grad and he wore 99 like I did. Okay. He was the next person okay. to wear 99 so you're on, at Notre Dame football. So, so I, a little okay, bias. I, I don't I don't, I don't, don't love him as a person in general, but I, you know, I, I've seen him in big spots. Somebody else said it's the difference between Patrick Beverly and Kyrie Irving. He's like, one has good moments, one's a good player. And I was like, okay, that's fair. That's fair. You know what I mean? I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, Someone else, uh, Skylar Littlefield, said, has that Brandon guy ever watched football? Comparing Mac to Tillery, saying Mac doesn't make you better? LMF. Okay. Fair. Fair. But I I don't like... Okay. I'm going to say it. My reasons I don't like the Khalil Mac trade is he's an inside linebacker posing as a defensive lineman who's been injured for a year. Right there's there's, a, there's those little those okay. little elements make it so that I don't know I don't know I don't know that he's just a slam dunk win. A lot of these things are great on paper, 
This is this yeah. is like when the Rams when the Rams first had Jalen Ramsey and Marcus Peters and you know all these different like okay it wasn't just it was it was they're about a year away a year or two away from the actually being a Super Bowl roster a big names don't make it a, a, a standard a, a stellar defense so, okay so so look and I think you got to tell this I I think you got to flex a little bit so for those that don't know uh, first time uh, viewers listeners to the show you played big time college football. You played at Notre Dame. So you haven't just yes, watched sir. football. You played it. All right. So, yeah, but I mean, come on now. I mean, like, you can't. I know. I know. I know. Well, I, know. You know I, I want to give the, I want to give the fans their just due though. Cause they know what they talking about too. They know what they talking That's about. That's true. But, but yeah, you saying they know what they're talking about, but they're not even allow you, allowing you to have a different opinion. And they're just kind of right. dismissing your football knowledge. Come on, well, I mean, it, it was. It's a hot take. It's a hot take. Cleo Mack being being trash, we not should. being good. But I need you to come back tomorrow. Can you do a comment section hey. tomorrow too? Can you come back? Yes, obviously. Let's look at Deshaun and, and Baker tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.